Welcome to Passion for the Pastimes, where baseball lives 24-7, 365. Catch conversations with beat writers, broadcasters, current and former players of all levels. Now, here's your host. Walter Ica Balsetta. Uh, uh, Balsetta. <laughs> Whoops, I fumbled. I got to get out of here. Walter Ica Balsetta. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode, a long overdue episode of Passion for the Pastime. I've missed listening to that open. I am glad that I can bring it back to all of you. Welcome back to Passion for the Pastime. I'm sorry I have been on a hiatus, gotten busy, but we are back. The season, unfortunately, is over. The World Series is over. I think a lot of people were uh, hoping for better matchup. I don't know how many people on their bingo card <laughs> had the Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. But hey, let, let me give a let me give a shout out to our favorite skipper in the Bay Area. Sorry Dusty, you, you got to move over for this one. Bruce Bochi back on top of the world of baseball going back to the World Series to win one for the team, for the very team that he defeated in getting his first World Series championship 13 years ago to the day with the San Francisco Giants defeating the Texas Rangers. He has now taken them to the mountaintop. Texas Rangers, your World Series champions for the 2023 season, defeating the Diamondbacks four games to one. And just how they did it was so incredible. And and, and I know a lot of people, I mean, when they, I, I've talked to uh, Brian Kenny and, and John Morosi earlier on this season when I was doing podcasts on a regular basis, there was a point in time where I would ask them, I said, oh, hey, Bruce Bochy back. Is the expectation World Series or bust or is that a, is that a lot of? of pressure to put on a, on the first year of Bochi coming back out of retirement and with this young team. But a lot of them echoed this, the sentiment that, <laughs> no, this is a move that you make in bringing Bruce Bochi in. Maybe, no, maybe not year one. But you're thinking year two, year three down the line that this is a World Series caliber roster. And they went out there and spent all that money on Corey Seager. Hey, it paid off. The, the, the investment paid off. Corey Seager getting his second World Series MVP, only the second position player to accomplish that feat in the World Series next to Reggie Jackson, the great for the Oakland Athletics, then with the uh, with the New York Yankees. Got those, those MVPs, World Series MVPs. The investment paid off. They went out and got Corey Seager. They went out and got Jacob DeGrom, and he didn't even pitch for the Texas Rangers. They didn't even need him. Incredible. So if you go back and look at this, yes, the expectations were high because Bruce Bochy coming in, he's going to bring that winning culture. And that's, that's uh, you know, you, you look at what the Giants are doing now with bringing in Bob Melvin, another big storyline that we'll get into eventually uh, during this podcast. I'm going to be speaking with Martin Gallegos, who covered Bob Melvin 
uh, in the Oakland A's, and he was out there actually with the World Series game one and game two in Arlington. So I'd like to I'd like to get his thoughts on the similarities, the differences of Bob Melvin and Bruce Bochy. But going back to the culture that you want to build in your organization, it starts from the front office, right? They set the tone, but the guy boots on the ground day in and day out that sets that for your team is the skipper. And I feel like in baseball, it is the most important part of the team to have that chemistry, to have that expectation, to have that accountability and professionalism that comes with being a manager for for decades. And that's what Bruce Bochy brings. That's what Bob Melvin does. I mean, you see, that's why the Giants are trying to get back to uh, the the expectation level, the the accountability level, just the just the love and passion for the game as well. I mean, that's what Bob Melvin brings to this team. I'm not going out there and saying that Bob Melvin is Bruce Bochy, but Bruce Bochy, you can see what he did with this young group. Obviously, they had a lot of a, a lot of money, financial thrown in there with the Corey Seager, with the Marcus Simeon, with uh, with Jacob Degrom. They they threw a lot of money into this team. They invested a lot into this team, but all of this doesn't happen. I mean, you look at. I mean, hell, we're going to want to keep talking Bob Melvin. You go back and look at the San Diego Padres. You go and look at the New York Yankees. The Yankees haven't been back to a World Series since 2009. That was the last time that they were in one. The longest drought, it seems like, uh, definitely of my lifetime. Um, but it, it, it's been a drought for the Yankees. So you can't just throw money at the problem. You have to have the right pieces in place and the driver of the bus. You have to have the the right guy for the job, and that's what Bruce Bochy did. I mean, he pulled these guys together. You go back and look what I was going to say with, with Bob Melvin. You, I'm not saying that he wasn't the right guy in San Diego, but you just can't throw money at the problem and expect to win. That isn't how you form team chemistry. That isn't how baseball is played. It, it, is, it is a team sport but on a lot of individual performances. And you need everybody to be clicking on the right, at the right time as a machine altogether. And that is what the 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 Texas Rangers did. Super, I mean, it's incredible the the run that they went on. Uh they won eleven, they went eleven and zero on the road. They did not lose a road game in this postseason. And that has to be attributed to the, to the plus 42 run differential, a record in the postseason. I mean, th- this Texas Rangers team was hot at the beginning of the year. Then they fizzled out. Then they lost the division. Then they limped into the playoffs a little bit. I mean, they, they kind of righted the ship in September, but kind of limped into the playoffs. And then they just went off from there. Uh, and I, again, the players are the ones that get this done. But that just speaks to the greatness of a Bruce Bochy to get it done on top of the world, on top of the baseball world again with his fourth World Series. Uh, and who knows? He might he might keep going. He might keep going. Go, go for five, Boach. Keep going. Is he the best manager? I mean, we're talking Bruce Bochy here. Is he the best manager to have ever managed? I mean, I know that there's... There's a lot of others uh, to to throw in there, uh, you know, Connie Mack and and Joe Torre and, but it, I mean, you start looking 
at these guys. He only trails Joe Torre with most postseason rounds won. He has 17 postseason rounds won, tying or breaking the tie with Tony LaRusso. He's only two behind Joe Torre. Can very well happen next year, especially with this new playoff. And by, and by the way, how do, how's everybody feeling about the the new playoff format? I, I'm not really I'm not really digging it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it 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 resulted in Bruce Bochy and the Rangers getting to the the to the to the postseason, getting to the World Series. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the postseason format. We'll get into that. We have tons of time this offseason to get into the playoff format and and all that kind of stuff. But uh but right now, celebrating Bruce Bochi got his fourth ring and it's just it, it's incredible. I mean he has to be obviously we already knew that he was Cooperstown bound. I mean Hall of Fame ballot right write him in already. We already knew that he was going to the Hall of Fame. But now the more that this greatness is displayed he has to be in the conversation of best manager to have ever been on the diamond been in the dugout been in the clubhouse in major league baseball so great stuff we're going to be talking with martin gallegos also uh, before we get into that i did mention bob melvin the new manager of your san francisco giants huge news huge culture shift not a slight to Gabe Kapler, but I feel like we have an adult in the room now with Bob Melvin in the orange and black. So we'll talk to Martin Gallegos about that as well. And, I mean, we might not touch on it this podcast, but we have a whole offseason to do it because the free agency, uh, it, it, it all begins. All, the madness starts on November 6th. That's when, uh, when free agency officially begins, qualifying offers, options, all that, you name it. Um, that's when everything kicks off. Obviously, we all know the time frame of baseball. It's not as strict as NFL. It's not as rapid. Right when the right when free agency gates open, it it, it doesn't flood with all these signings. It's going to it's going to be a marathon. We we all know that. We we all know those sayings in baseball. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. That's how sprint. That's how free agency is going to be. But a lot of free agents uh, that. Again, I think it's it's the value of having a good manager that is understated. Guys want to play for Bowmel, and we're going to talk to Martin Gallegos to see exactly uh, why that is because it, it, there, that's a difference changer. And not to say that people didn't want to play for Gabe Kapler. I mean, I'm, I'm not in, I'm not in the in the dugout, not in the clubhouse. I'm not talking to these players on a daily basis or anything like that. I'm just I'm going off of reports. Uh, and just the overall feel as a fan. I mean, I it just wasn't a great watch. Everything that they were doing analytically and, and all that. Bob Melvin follows analytics as well, but I feel like it's not to the T like Gabe Kapler is. So I just feel like, it, again, it, it brings an adult into the room with Gabe Kapler gone and Bob Melvin coming in, and that has to have some type of effect. I think we're going to see that this offseason with free agents. And and it's a big one. I mean, there isn't the huge big name outside of Shohei Otani. We'll see what happens with that. He's 29 years old. He's going to sign a massive contract. Everyone is anticipating 600, 600 mil. I mean, that's that's what they're uh, 
that's what they're talking about, at least until he got hurt. So maybe it drops back down to to a measly five hundred million uh, for Shohei Otani. But we have uh, we have Yamamoto out there from uh, from Japan, Team Japan. We saw him in the WBC. I even play with him on uh, on MLB the Show. Not not with him, but his card. He's pretty he's pretty good. He's pretty good to use in MLB the Show. Uh, ask Adam Copeland about that. But uh, Blake Snell out there available. Cody Bellinger going to be offered a qualifying offer, uh, but likely to decline that and elect for free agency. You got Aaron Nola out there, uh, Josh Hader, Sonny Gray, who also played for Bob Melvin, and Matt Chapman is out there. Just throwing it out there. He played for Bob Melvin, too. So it's going to be really interesting. We're going to get all the details from Arlington, from the World Series, Bruce Bochy being the greatest manager of all time, and Bob Melvin being the culture change that the San Francisco Giants needed. We're going to be talking with Martin Gallegos of MLB.com. Coming up next, you're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and I am now joined by Martin Gallegos of MLB.com, one of our favorites to talk to on the podcast every time that we have the opportunity. And this time, Martin, you were out at the World Series, man. I gotta get I gotta know everything about the atmosphere, how everything went for you. But uh welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Walter? Good to be on with you again. Uh, it's been a while. Um, but, yeah, uh, being, being at the World Series, you know, it was my first time, uh, you know, being around that event. I mean, I've covered the playoffs before uh, a couple years back. But um, to be at the World Series, it was something else. You know, it was different. Um, over there in Texas, you know, brand-new ballpark pretty much. And, uh, you know, they really, uh, they really uh, you know, set up everything really cool uh, for a big event. And um, just being in, being in that atmosphere for those first two games out there in Arlington, uh, it was pretty awesome, and um, you know we, you know, got a couple of good games. I know the second one was kind of a blowout, but um, that first game when the when Corey Seager tied it up and then they walked it off, that was. I mean, you can't write a better game one than that. So, um, just to be around it and covering it, it, it was really fun. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, uh, I was looking at your post earlier today on Instagram, and you kind of just uh, just remembered back to I guess when 2010 you you painted a picture. You were you were at a AT&T Park at the time and you were looking through the fence to to watch the World Series that was when the Giants were taking on those same Rangers um, and you know just a flash forward I mean what, what kind of I mean it was almost surreal for you right to be covering the World Series would be a lifelong dream for you and there you are in Arlington covering game one and game two yeah for sure I mean it, it was uh, you know kind of a full circle thing I remember that I remember that in 2010 I was in high school and uh I was begging my parents, you know, can we just go to, to San Francisco? I just want to, I just want to try to get in. Um, I wasn't able to get into the game, but got viewing section. They had that little viewing section outside the arcade out there and beer was jam packed in there. I got to see a little bit of it. Uh, but you know, we were just walking around the city and kind of, kind of watching the game on the TVs and stuff. But, um, and it, it was kind of funny that, you know, the Rangers were playing in that and my first world series that I get to cover the Rangers are in, Austin, are in it also. So, uh, that was, I thought that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I was just, you know, looking back, you know, once I got to, to Arlington that first night, uh, that was the first thing I thought of was, man, you know, I was, you know, I grew up obviously watching the World Series every year and uh, to finally be covering one, it was pretty, pretty surreal. And even to go back to 2010, I mean, you were watching the, the skipper, the same skipper that was for the San Francisco Giants, uh, Bruce yeah. Bochy, also now with the Texas Rangers. Has, has this ever happened? Have you looked in uh, on this stat, on the notes? Has, has a manager that has defeated a team 
ever gone back and won a World Series for that same team that he defeated in the World Series? Has that ever happened before? That's a good question. I, I don't. Not that I know of. I mean, uh, I'm sure somebody you know more smarter than me with, that knows the research <laughs> tools can, can find it. But I mean, I, I can't think of one, especially recently. Maybe it has happened, but I mean, that is pretty remarkable. Yeah, like back in uh, like 1920 or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible, man. Uh, I just want to kind of go back to, to to Bruce Bochy. I mean, that is the constant, right? With when you go back to 2010, and now we flash forward 13 years later, and just to see him back on top of the baseball world once again, just further proves that this guy. I mean, he has to be mentioned. Obviously, his ticket was punched uh, for for Cooperstown already prior to this season, but you, you just figure he has to be in the conversation for one of the greatest managers to have ever been in the game. Yeah, without question. I mean, to win a World Series with three different teams and, and to, like I said, you know, go so many years in between and, and, and kind of do it in an era where it's kind of a new newer generation. You know, baseball's played a little differently and, and he's been able to adapt to that seamlessly, it seems like, um, in terms of strategies and whatnot. It's just been... It's a remarkable, remarkable run that he's been on. And, um, you know, this is kind of the, you know, he's always, like you said, he's always, he's, I think he had the Hall of Fame resume even, even when he were, you know, left the Giants. But, um, this, like, just kind of cements it as, you know, one of the all time greats for sure. We're talking with Martin Gallegos of MLB.com. Normally covers the Oakland Athletics, but he was out there. He had the opportunity to cover Game 1 and Game 2 in Arlington for the World Series. Just a great uh, opportunity for you, man. And just just to get into a little bit more on the Texas Rangers, I know that you being uh, A's beat reporter uh, for MLB.com, you've you've followed this storyline all season long. You've seen them the most out of, uh, you know, I guess uh, us in the Bay Area. When was the moment where you, I mean, the, the Rangers were pretty hot to start the season and then they kind of fizzled off and then they, they righted the ship and got into the postseason. They didn't win the division, uh, but it, set, it seemed like they slotted in perfectly where they ended up and just went on that historic run of going 11-0 and on the road in the postseason. I mean, that's just amazing as well. But watching them all season long, Martin, when was the moment where you kind of looked at this Texas Rangers team and said, wow, th- th- this team actually can, has the stuff, can actually make it to October and win a World Series this year? Yeah, it was kind of an interesting season for them just from watching it, you know, somewhat closely. Um, you know, they got, like you said, they got to the hot start. And then uh, at the trade deadline, obviously, they made the big splash with Scherzer and getting Jordan Montgomery as well. And you felt like, wow, this team. You know, if they just went out and added the the reinforcements that they needed for October, but then after that, they kind of went on a little bit of a of a rough stretch. Degrom got hurt; he was out for the year, and you kind of felt like, wow, maybe this isn't their year. Um, and even when the A's were in were in Arlington in early September, they had a series there. The A's beat them, you know, the first game, and um, you know, I was talking to some you know people out there, and they they felt like, man, if this team makes the playoffs, we don't think they're going to make a deep run. They're just they were in such a such a bad tailspin at that point; they had fallen out of first place in the division and uh they're really slumping pretty bad uh but then that those last couple of weeks of the season they turned it on again um they ended up not winning the division but um you know they they got pretty hot at the right time and then you know once the playoffs started once i saw them uh you know just win every road game and you know just going to road and just you know being fearless you know that houston series was so crazy i thought you know that series was over after 
um, Altuve hit that homer, that big homer in the in the ninth or whatever it was to, you know, take the lead. I felt like, man, how are they, they going to bounce back from this? I know they've been winning on the road all year, but um, to go into Houston and have to win two in a row, how are they going to do it? And they just went in there and did it. I mean, they went in there and, and beat them down pretty pretty bad. It seemed like so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there was a certain moment where where it kind of kicked in. I knew they were a good team from the start. I knew they had a chance to to make a deep run. Um, but I think once as the playoffs went along and, and they kind of were starting to show who they were, um, they just seemed to push all the right buttons and um, it ended up, you know, helping them out. And once once it got to the World Series, I I felt like I felt like it was going to be Rangers in five. That was that was kind of my official prediction. Um, after game two, I don't know for sure. I thought maybe this was going to be a little bit more of a back and forth contest. That could go six or seven. Um, but, the, but again, the Rangers again went on the road, and it was kind of fitting that that was how they ended it out, winning three in a row on the road, because that's that's just what they did all year. It's incredible. It was an incredible run what they did on the road, where you know in the playoffs things just ramp up, and you know the fans get a little more crazy for them just going to the road and just constantly beat teams in their own home. It was it was really impressive for sure. Yeah, really, really impressive for the Rangers to do that. And then if you factor in, you know, 2021 where they lost 102 games and then they go and win the World Series. I think the last time that that happened was the 69 Mets, uh, something, something along those lines. But, but yeah, Martin, uh, just want to talk more about the, the World Series. I know, uh, you were out there in Arlington. Did you have any opportunity to talk with, uh, Marcus Simeon, former Oakland Athletic Bay Area native? Did you get to talk to him a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was a you know media day the first day. Um, you know, I was just working on on some other stuff. I was actually working on a story on Alec Thomas of the D-backs, and um, yeah. you know, I, I found out that you know he was actually a teenager hanging around White Sox BP because his dad worked for the White Sox um, when when Marcus Simeon was on the White Sox, and then it sort of kind of went full circle. They were playing each other, but anyway, I went up to Marcus uh, at his podium there after he did a TV interview and. You know, he saw me and, you know, obviously remembered me from, you know, the days we covered him. And, you know, still the same same great guy, great human being. And um, got to catch up a little bit with him. And just, uh, he's, you know, obviously uh, signed a nice contract over there in Texas. And he has a place to kind of secure, you know, his family out there. And uh, I know he's he's enjoying it out there. And, um, you know, it's really cool to see. I, I think of, of all the players, you know, on you know participating in the World Series, if there was one guy I would have said, you know, I really want to see this guy, you know, get a ring. It would have been Marcus Simeon just to see. I've seen his growth as a player, um, and again dealing with him, how how nice of a guy he is, and to have seen what he's evolved into from what he was in Oakland, which is kind of a struggling shortstop defensively, who you know didn't didn't really know what was going to be his long term role, and now he's a premier defender, a premier hitter. He's playing every day. I mean, it's just you know he's a true leader of that Texas Rangers team. So you know it's been really cool as, as a guy who covered him early on, you know, in his career to to see him where he is now and and to to win a championship. It was it's pretty cool. For Sure. Yeah, I was always a fan of Marcus Simeon. I mean, growing up in the Bay Area, I'm, I'm a Giants fan at heart, but, you know, I love baseball. I always go out to the Coliseum. I think I've told you this time and time again. And uh, seeing Marcus Simeon out there with the A's, and I was I was actually uh, not shocked, but I was sad to see him go. Happy that he got the contract. I was hoping that he would land in San Francisco somehow, uh, being that he was yeah. a Bay Area guy and he went to Berkeley and all that. I thought he fit perfectly as a Giant, but uh, it all works out for the better and, you yeah, I mean, he goes out there with the Texas Rangers, hits a home run in the clinching game. I mean, that has to be a, a, an amazing accomplishment for Marcus Simeon. Wrapping up here with Martin Gallegos uh, of MLB.com. We were talking Marcus Simeon. I kind of want to pivot this into a Giants conversation here because a his former manager, 
Marcus Simeon. Uh, Bob Melvin has now left San Diego. I know that you have seen um, Bob Melvin up close and personal for multiple years in Oakland, and now he is wearing the orange and black. He's the new skipper for the San Francisco Giants. Just kind of want to get your takeaway from everything uh, that went down with San Diego and and him coming to San Francisco and what kind of manager uh, because we're, I mean, we're always talking about managers and seeing Bruce Bochy on that level. I mean, what can you tell us about Bob Melvin as he comes to the Origin Black. Yeah, it is. It is a uh, interesting move. I, you know, I've I've covered guys. You know, I never covered Bochi. Obviously, covered Melvin a lot, but um, I have known you know a lot of players who played for both Bob Melvin and Bruce Bruce Bochi. And I've over the years, I've you know, I've I've asked I've actually asked them like if they see any similarities between the two, and they said yeah. Um, you know, they're kind of similar in the way they manage. Uh, both guys who, who players love to play for. Both guys who. Um, you know, aren't, aren't going to be like the fiery type, but they kind of, you know, lead, you know, you know, they're leaders, they're just natural leaders. And, and they kind of tend to stay out the clubhouse unless they're needed there. You know, they kind of let the players, you know, be themselves, police themselves. And if, if there's ever a conflict, which is really rare in, in Bob Melvin's tenure that I covered him, uh, you know, he'll step in when he needs to, but um, you know, he's a guy who, who gets guys to believe. I know with the, with the A's, that was a big thing. You know, they were always, you know, a team with a small payroll and um, facing juggernauts like the Astros and, and all these other, you know, division rivals. But um, he got them to believe he, he developed a culture in there that, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, go out there with what we have and we're going to compete against these guys. And, you know, more times than not, you know, they were competing for the playoffs year in and year out when I started covering them. They, they made the playoffs two years in a row from, you know, 18, 19, 20 made the playoffs again, 21 were contending all the way until the end. So, you know, he's able to get, get guys motivated, get guys, uh, you know, in the right mindset. Um, so, you know, and then the Giants connection as well, it makes so much sense that he's, that he's going over there, you know, to the team that he once played for a Bay area guy grew up in Menlo park. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a good fit for them. I mean, I, I think, you know, Bob Melvin, you know, hasn't you know he hasn't had that world series win so that's that's kind of the one thing missing from his resume Mm -hmm. but everything else when you added up the the manager of the year awards with multiple teams um you know the amount of times he's been to the playoffs the the, what he's what he was able to do in oakland you know he's he's building up what's close to a to a hall of fame resume as well i mean the only thing missing like i said is the championship and you know maybe he can get that in san francisco maybe not but um i think you know if you were to kind of go around and, and look to land a realistically try to pull away a manager from a team. I think Bob Melvin would be at the top of the list for, for any team. And and the fact that the giants were able to take him away from San Diego, uh, where it was kind of a interesting situation. I mean, I don't know the whole story there, but I know, you know, there was a lot going on in terms of the front office dynamic with, you know, the the players and and the the coaching staff. It just didn't seem like it was, it was the right fit, you know, and at least there in, in San Francisco, he's working with a guy in Farhan who, you know, he knows obviously going back to, you know, when Farhan was working with, you know, Billy Bean and David Force in Oakland. So there's that connection as well. So it seems like a good fit. Um, I think, you know, uh, we'll see how it, how it, how it goes this year. But um, on paper, it seems like he, he's especially, you know, kind of a, a different, definitely a different personality from what Gabe Kapler was. I, you know, I didn't cover Kapler much either, but mm-hmm. um, I, it, it feels like from the outside looking in, just two different kind of dynamics there for sure. All right, and there you have it. A lot of great insight from Martin Gallegos on Bo Mel. Uh, a lot of great stuff there. Martin, thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. I really appreciate you taking the time, as always. And congratulations, man, on, on doing everything that you do. But uh, getting out there and covering a World Series, man, I mean, that, that had to be a dream come true. And, and uh, I know how much you love the game of, of baseball. And just congratulations, man. 
Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, great being on with you again. I know it's been a while, but uh, anytime you need me on, I'd love to come on again. All right, and again, that was Martin Gallegos of MLB.com. Covers the Oakland Athletics, but had the opportunity, had the privilege to cover the Fall Classic in Arlington. Game 1 and Game 2 saw our guy Bruce Bochy out there uh, on his road to getting his fourth ring may not be his final I almost said fourth and final ring he's still he's still going he's still going I'm never going to put it past Boach to go back there and get another ring anytime that he gets into the postseason he just seems to win that's the Bruce Bochy that we know and love so everybody thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and we are going to be continuing through the offseason the hot stove is about to turn up because free agency and everything like that is coming up in a few weeks. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to be talking to a whole bunch of different people uh, this off season on where potential free agents may be landing. And hopefully we can get a couple in here to sprinkle in with Bob Melvin. And real quick, before I let you go, just to break down the offseason schedule moving forward. And we have a lot, a big day uh, for the offseason is November 6th. November 6th, a lot of things. Things are going down. And uh, first of all, if you care about the offseason awards, the MVP, the manager of the year, rookie of the year, all that kind of stuff, uh, the finalists will be announced on November 6th. But as it pertains to free agency, to the real true offseason Team options, player options are due on the 6th as well. That includes Alex Cobb, Tim Anderson, Kyle Hendricks, and Eduardo Rodriguez, who has a player option likely to opt out of that in Detroit. Also, qualifying offers are due, so um, and that is a minimum of 20 $0.5 million. So you know Cody Bellinger is going to get that. You know Otani is going to get that. You know Blake Snell is going to get those qualifying offers, among others who are qualified and eligible for the qualifying offers, but they're not going to sign. So qualifying offers are due also on the 6th. And the six marks the beginning of free agency. That is when players can now negotiate with future teams and get the ball rolling. But unlike football free agency, everything isn't going to kick off uh, right on the six. You know, baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. So that this is just the window that players can now start negotiating with teams and deals can start getting done. November 6th. Then we fast forward to November 14th, the deadline for players to accept and or reject qualifying offers. Again, that qualifying offer number is at $20.5 million. Then we fast forward to a month from now. We look at December 3rd to the 6th, the winter meetings kicking off in Nashville. That is going to be a big day, big uh, big week for a lot of teams, especially if we are going to see a lot of movement. Uh, let's see what happens with the San Diego Padres. A lot of teams, after them getting rid of Bob Melvin, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. And also, the teams like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, like the Red Sox, all these teams that are always active in the offseason trying to improve their teams and get back to those winning ways those are teams that we are going to want to watch in the mid winter meeting so we will continue to talk about all of this offseason we will ramp up to the winter meetings we'll talk about all those uh all those free agents coming up but for now i say farewell have a good one be safe and i will talk to you next time and thank you for tuning in